The Islanders hold on for a 2-1 win over the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. We've got a special crossover episode with John Chick of Locked On Rangers as we break down this exciting win for the Islanders and talk a little bit more about the trade deadline and a whole lot more, all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Sark tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, welcome back, Ranger fans and Islander fans. we got a very special crossover post-game edition for you guys here today. This is John Chick with Locked On New York Rangers, joined by Gil Martin of Locked On Islanders. The Islanders, of course, just posting a tense two to one victory in Madison Square Garden and uh Gil first of all man congratulations on the win and uh how are we doing here tonight we're doing all right uh big win for the Islanders I I know the Rangers needed the two points a little bit more uh but anytime you you win at Madison Square Garden from an Islanders perspective it's a a good thing and cutting through whoever won and whoever lost this was an an entertaining hockey game Yeah, it really was. And it wasn't really, it didn't really stick to the formula that we've seen in recent seasons with the Rangers and Islanders because, you know, a lot of those games uh, tend to be defensive struggles, uh, a little bit of a slog. Uh, The Islanders have really had their way with the Rangers over the past couple of seasons as well. And if you just looked at the final score, you know, anybody, just a general hockey fan looking at the final score, you might think it was more of the same here tonight, but it wasn't. I mean, this was a really exciting, fast-paced, up-tempo hockey game. And I think the reason why it ended up being low scoring, I mean, there were a couple of reasons, but we got to start with the goalies. I mean, Igor Shesterkin, Ilya Sorokin, just standing on their heads, making a lot of really clutch saves and some big spots. I mean, your thoughts on the goalies for starters? Oh, they were fantastic. I mean, first of all, that save by Sorokin in the first period might just be the save of the year, not just for the Islanders, but for the NHL. I don't know how he did that. Uh, Your thoughts on that save? Because it was just unbelievable. I mean, it was unbelievable, and it it was – it was disappointing from a standpoint that, you know, the Rangers just trade for Frank Vetrano. They only had to give up a fourth rounder. I think it's a really nice pickup. Um, but he was about to get the primary assist on that. He, he passed over to Panarin. And you got you got Panarin with a wide open net. I mean, that's a goal. That's a goal literally 99% of the time. I started standing up to cheer for it. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, I mean, just a ridiculous save. There's not really much you can do other than just tip your cap, whether you're Panarin or a Ranger fan or whatever it might be. Uh, like you said, I, I think it's got to be at least in the mix for save of the year, right? Yeah, I mean, the angle his body was at, and then his leg kind of got caught under him as he landed after making that save, and thankfully he wasn't hurt. But, you know, it's interesting because you and I spoke, we did a crossover, I think, during the first pandemic shutdown, and we talked about how Shesterkin and Sorokin was going to be this the future of this rivalry, and here it is tonight absolutely coming to pass. 
Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, both these guys, like we were saying, they made some really tough saves down the stretch. I thought this game was ticketed to overtime. And uh, of course, the Islanders get the late game winner there. Uh, but I'm looking forward to this, man. I mean, it looks like Sorokin's the real deal. I think we know for a fact at this point that Igor Shesterkin is the real deal. Uh, certainly, I would think the Vesna front runner. And, you know, I want to get your opinion on this too, Gil, because I've been campaigning for quite some time that, you know, Igor, at least, I don't know if he's going to win it. I don't know if he 100% should win it. But he's got to be in the mix for the heart, the MVP. I mean, there's so many, you know, naysayers about the Rangers out there who say, oh, man, if you guys didn't have Igor, you'd be in trouble and this would happen and that would happen and, and this, that and the other thing. Well, if that's true, which I don't 100% agree with, but let's just say that that's true. And, you know, Igor's carrying this team. Uh, they're going to be in the playoffs, it certainly seems like. And, you know, second or third place in their division. I mean, he's got to be in the mix for the MVP, at least in the conversation, does he not? I would think he has to be in the conversation. I, I It wouldn't surprise me if he was a finalist. There is sort of a little bit of a, a prejudice against goalies because they have, you know, their own trophies, so to speak. But, uh, you know, he certainly should be in the hunt for the Vesna. And, yeah, I, I would not be surprised if he gets some, a, a good number of votes for the heart as well. Yeah, you kind of run into that in baseball every once in a while, you know, with the MVP. If there's a pitcher who's just been lights out and having just a stellar season, a lot of times people don't want to give it to the pitcher because they've got the Cy Young Award. But right. I, I think in certain instances, like I think Carey Price won the heart one year, uh, you know, several years ago. Um, I, I think in certain instances it's okay. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting to see uh, how that shakes out for sure. Uh, something else that I want to talk to you about, Gil, and, uh, you know, I, I know Islander fans are going to hear this and maybe roll their eyes a little bit. But I thought the refs just flat out sucked in this game. And I'm not the guy that comes on and points fingers at the refs. And I swear, even if the Rangers had won this game, I was going to bring this up. This game is cruising along. It's got a great pace. Everybody's skating hard, competing hard. There's some extracurriculars that we get with Rangers Islanders. And then all of a sudden, in the second period, they decide to start calling these ticky-tack penalties against both teams. Right. In a, you know, again, a high-spirited game and... And then the one at the end, we'll get to that one separately. I got a lot to say about the lingering penalty, but your thoughts on the refs. And again, I do not do this very often, but I, I, gotta, I don't either. Yeah, I, I am not. You know, I, I mean, look, I'll I'll say if a call was questionable, but very rarely do I come down very hard on the refs. They've got a difficult job. I, I respect what they have to try to do. But the thing you want from referees more than anything is consistency. And the thing that we well, they, they were consistent in the sense, and you touched on this, they called it poorly for both teams. I, I, I think there were yeah. questionable calls against both teams. What I didn't like that I thought wasn't consistent was in the first period, they kind of let everything go and there was a certain flow. And then in the second period, they started calling everything. And usually it's the other way around. They'll call a lot of stuff early to try to you know make sure that the players are not going to let the game get out of hand and all of that kind of stuff. And then they'll sort of ease up a little bit. I, I, I kind of questioned a bunch of calls, but I think more or less it hurt both teams over the course of the game. Yeah. I mean, you see, you're watching a game like this. You don't want to have it come down to the refs and you don't want to have them be a topic of conversation. I don't think we've ever talked about the ref skill. Like we've done a lot of these uh, pre-game shows, post-game shows over the past couple of years here. I don't think we've ever really had anything to say about the refs because I don't think they've factored in very often, but they certainly did tonight. And um, the, the one specific that I think is going to stick in the craw of a lot of Ranger fans was the one where, you know, Lingering got elbowed in the nose toward the end yeah. of the game and he's bleeding and he, he has to drop his stick because he, he was staggered. And, you know, I think he had left the ice by the time that Paul Mary scored that game winning goal there. But even so, I mean, they don't call the penalty. 
Um, did you have a good look at that? I mean, did it look like a penalty to you when it was was it happening live and everything? Or it, it look, I saw the replays. Um, they could have called it. They definitely could have yeah. called it. And and again, you know, you you're in the last what five minutes of the game, give or take. Uh, they are reluctant to call things you know, in the last few minutes of the game. Again, I don't necessarily agree with it, but that's sort of the theory behind it. They could have called it. They didn't call it. I I thought they were inconsistent, you know, throughout the game. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it certainly hurt the Rangers at the end of that game on that particular non-call, I, I would agree, because the play was set up by the fact that the Rangers were suddenly, for all intents and purposes, shorthanded for about, you know, 10, 15 seconds, and that allowed the Islanders to come into the zone. That being said, the the play by Palmieri to score the goal was a great, you know, nice skilled goal, a goal scorer's kind of a goal where he had to really, you know, use his hand-eye coordination and 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 get that puck into the net. Yeah, all the credit in the world for to Palmieri for converting there and the Islanders for setting that up because, again, this was a crazy game, and the way these goalies were playing, it's getting late in the third period, Certainly felt like we were going to be heading into overtime, but uh, obviously uh, Palmieri had other plans. Uh, Gil, I definitely want to ask you about uh, Anders Lee, and we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but first, let's let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers and Locked On Islanders is brought to you by Bilt Bar. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, Puffs included, 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein, replace your candy bars with these, they are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And uh, just want to thank everybody for making Locked On Rangers and Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. We are free on all platforms. Uh, Gil Andersley, absolutely on fire recently, and, uh, you know, just... Um, you know, he, he missed some time earlier this season and, uh, you know, is finally starting to look like the player that uh, you and all Islander fans know and love. Uh, what's it been like uh, watching him kind of just take off these last few games? I believe nine goals in his last six games. Yeah, nine goals in his last six, a goal in each of his last six. And it, it's been a relief. I mean, so many of the Islanders got off to slow starts offensively. Lee included uh, Palmieri, Barzal. Uh, Parise, I, I can go Bailey, I can go down almost the entire top nine forwards and add them to that list. But Lee really has come on, and it's been great to see. And the, the thing about Lee, uh, you know, he's the captain of the team. It's more than just the points he puts up. When when you're the captain and you're not contributing to the team's success, that takes away from your leadership, your ability to, to you know, be that guy that leads the team and and having him be more productive lately makes a big difference to the Islanders. And that's why they've won four out of their last five or, or one of the reasons why they've won four of their last five. So, uh, you know, very happy to, to see that. And, and how about with you 40 goals for Kreider? I don't think either one of us expected that at the start of this season. 
it would have been impossible to see this coming. And we've talked about this before, Gil. I think there was one time I joined you on Lockdown NHL, and we were talking about this a little bit. Um, you know, with Kreider, I was really happy a couple of years ago because they had to either trade him or sign him long-term at the deadline. He was an impending UFA. I was glad they held on to him. My feeling was that, you know, I know we're rebuilding and everything, but you got to have a veteran or two in that room. And, and you know, Kreider is somebody that has become a leader on that team. Um, you know, some Ranger fans were not happy about it. They thought they should move him too and, and just keep stockpiling for the future. Uh, but now $6.5 million a season, that looks like a steal. Uh, 40 goals this season, like you said, uh, just an absolute weapon in front of the net, specifically on the power play. I can't tell you how many times this season he's either deflected the puck into the net or, you know, cleaned up a loose puck there in the crease and just kind of stuffed it home that way. Or he can snipe, you know, he kind of sniped one home uh, in this game here tonight as well. So, yeah, I mean, there, there was just no way to see this coming. You thought this guy was going to be consistently inconsistent for his whole career. When he gets hot, I mean, he's as good as anybody, but he's been hot the entire season. So it's just been awesome to watch. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just hope uh, hope he can continue this the rest of the way, the rest of the season, into the playoffs, the rest of his career. Uh, it seems like he really kind of found something, even at the age of 30 here. Yeah, no, it, it, certainly from a Rangers perspective, very good to see. And look, he's also a Cy Young Award candidate this year. It's got to be, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, how about the extracurriculars in this game? You know, Reeves mixing it up with Chara and Martin. I, I feel like recently, you know, uh, in recent seasons, not that it's been tame, but by Ranger Islander standards, maybe it hasn't been as, you know, off the charts intense as we're used to. But a lot of intensity in this game here tonight. I, I could have sworn Reeves and Martin were going to drop the gloves at some point. Uh, but just your thoughts on that, you know, the physicality. And, you know, do you think we get any extracurriculars the next time these two teams cross paths? Well, I, I thought the physicality was great, and it was there from the drop of the first puck, uh, opening face-off, and the crowd. This felt like a playoff game. From the very start of it, it felt like a playoff game, and it was uh, sort of like what you said, where the Islanders-Rangers rivalry is back, that there's a, another level to it now uh, that, that has sort of been lacking the last couple of years. And, you know, it always helps when, when both teams are competitive. Uh, if one team or both teams are are sort of down in the standings, that does take a little bit away from it. And and I will say this. I, I have to say this. Uh, credit to Reeves. Not too many people want to mess around with Chara just because of the height and the reach advantage. And, and yeah, I thought they were going to go. It would not surprise me at all if the next time that these two teams go, there is a little, a little memory uh, payback coming down the pike. But I also wanted to say this, kudos to the Rangers organization and the folks at Madison Square Garden for their tribute to Jean Potvin before the game started. I, I thought that was a classy move and just, you know, something they didn't have to do, but, uh, and especially considering how popular Dennis Potvin has been at Madison Square Garden all these years, a very classy move by the, by the Rangers. So uh, I, I give credit where credit is due and I, I don't give credit to them too often, but I give credit where credit is due. Hey, fair enough, man. And I agree. You know, I think the Rangers as an organization, I'm usually very complimentary of them in situations like this. They tend to hit the mark more often than not. And again, I thought that was a nice thing to do. And I realize, you know, that that chant that's been in Madison Square Garden uh, is directed at his brother. But even so, I didn't hear it tonight. And Grant, I hear it so often that I've kind of just tuned it out. But yeah. I didn't hear anybody chanting that tonight. You know, usually you get the guy that does the whistling and then everybody will chant Pop and suck. So I thought it was really nice to, you know, not do that for at least one night here and hopefully for the rest of the season, honestly, because obviously they're, they're, it's a difficult time right now for the family. 
I, I think I heard it once, but yeah, it was it was controlled. There was it wasn't uh, as often as usual, and like I said, just a class move by the Rangers organization. And and you know a- anyone who followed hockey in the seventies and into the eighties, uh, who's old enough to remember Potvin, either as a Jean Potvin is either a player or a broadcaster. Uh, he was a great guy. I interviewed him for my book, and uh, you know. Great storyteller, good hockey guy, just a nice person, and uh, you know, seventy-two is way too young. Yeah, I totally agree, and uh, obviously, our condolences go out to the family for sure. Um, I did want to ask you, Gil, kind of like a big picture question as it pertains to the Islanders here, because obviously, you know, they they've fallen short of expectations this season, but they had a lot of adversity at the start of the year. You know, everybody with COVID. I remember when the Rangers and Islanders played each other. You know, half the players in the Islander lineup, I've never even heard of these guys. They're basically going with their their minor league team there. Um, so, you know, I'm just wondering. Obviously, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals the last two seasons. Do you and, and maybe Islander fans in general have a sense that, like, you know, this this is just kind of a fluke down season? It's just one of those years and that this team could be back to being, you know, a serious contender as soon as next season. Does that feeling uh, exist or is there a, a worry that the, the championship window might be closing? Which Which way are they leaning? I, I think the window is still open. There are some caveats. I mean, look, you have the goaltending. We 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 know that. Pelic and Pulak, the, the top defense pair, they're going to be there for a while. Matt Barzal is going to be there for a while. Anders Lee, Brock Nelson. The the, the key components are going to be there. The, the, the problem for the Islanders, I don't think they need to totally rebuild. They don't need to break this thing down and, and build it up from scratch. They didn't replace Nick Letty as a puck-moving defenseman. You know, they had Letty and Dobson last year. Now Dobson has stepped up. He's improved. But they don't have another puck-moving defenseman they can rely on in their top six to get that transition game going. And then the other thing is they obviously need a a 30-plus goal scorer, a sniper, a guy who will make other teams, you know, play in fear a little bit when the Islanders have the puck in the offensive zone. If they can get those two things and they do have the cap space to do it, a couple of smart moves from Lou Lamorello in the offseason, I think that they can be back and ready to compete again for a playoff spot and another long playoff run next year. I think that is a definite possibility. What What about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I I think uh, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. I, I think that, you know, again, it, it just kind of seemed like everything was kind of working against the Islanders this season. I mean, they had some players underperform at the start of the year, but I mean, the way they were hit by COVID and, and some of the lineups they had to play with and, you know, all these games were postponed and, you know, they, they've played, you know, 12 games and everybody else has played 25 games. And that's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's one of those, you know, it happens in sports every now and then the, the planets just don't align. And it's just not your year. And I think that's what we're seeing with the Islanders. But I wouldn't count them out at all. I mean, you look at, you know, their their roster. And like you said, all the guys or most of the guys that have been part of those deep playoff runs, they're still there. You know, that core is still intact. And in many cases, they're signed pretty long term. So, uh, yeah, I see no reason why they can't be, you know, right back in the mix as soon as next season for sure. And to me, between you and me, the best part is that'll mean the rivalry will just get that much more intense because it looks like the Rangers are on the upswing as well and and that they'll be there for the next few years. And and like the next five years in this rivalry should be a lot of fun. Yeah, we've been talking on and off on here, Gil. I know about, you know, when's the next Ranger Islander playoff series going to happen? I think it could happen as soon as next season. And we'll see how it it. shakes out. Yeah, I mean, the Metro's tough. And I mean, who knows who's going to finish in what order, but it it could definitely happen. And we're definitely overdue. Um, 
Gil, would you like to let everybody know about Bet Online before we uh, do a little trade talk here? Absolutely. Well, today's episode is brought to you by your friends at Bet Online. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source. For all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, so I figure, you know, Gil, we can go ahead and talk a little trade deadline here. Obviously, the Rangers uh, made a recent move. Frank Vetrano making his Ranger debut tonight, but... You know, I'm wondering about the Islanders because, you know, you look at their, again, their depth chart. I was on Cap Friendly earlier and seeing, you know, who are the UFAs and who's got how many years left on their contract, all that good stuff. Um, you know, the UFAs are guys that they could get maybe something for, you know, like Clutterbuck, Chara, uh, Parise, and Green. They, they were the ones that stood out to me. Uh, but your thoughts about what the Islanders might do at the trade deadline this season. I mean, I would imagine they would be sellers, but not look to blow everything up. I mean, is that more or less the approach? Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. Those are the four guys who are on, uh, you know, contracts that expire at the end of the year. Uh, Parise just today indicated that, you know, he would like to stay with the Islanders. But, uh, you know, I think if he's on an expiring contract, you could always bring him back as a free agent over the summer if you, you know, if, if you want to give him a shot at the Stanley Cup somewhere else this year. The other two players who I think might be in play but I think Lula Amarello will have to be bowled over for these guys to move. You have Simeon Varlamov because Sorokin is uh, clearly capable of being the number one guy, and he has taken over the number one spot. Sorokin has one more year left on his contract at $5 million. We know there's a lot of teams at the trade deadline looking for goaltending. If someone makes an offer that Lula Amarello can't refuse, I wouldn't be surprised to see Varlamov go somewhere. And then the the other guy is Scotty Mayfield. A lot of teams looking for defense. Mayfield, I think his salary is like 1.5 million, maybe a little bit less than that, 1.45. It's a cap-friendly deal. Again, the Islanders don't want to part with him, but if somebody makes an offer that Lou realistically should not and cannot refuse, I could see them making that move as well. How about for the Rangers? Let's let's talk about the move they already made and then what you see coming up up, up until Monday. Yeah, for sure. So obviously, you know, we touched on this a little bit at the start. You know, Frank Vitrano is brought in in exchange for a fourth round draft pick uh, with the Florida Panthers, a deal between those two teams. And I'll be honest, Gil, like I did not see, I for sure thought the Rangers would bring in somebody. I did not see them striking a deal of any kind with the Florida Panthers because, you know, you look at where they are in the standings, both these teams look like buyers. And, and this time of the season, you're used to teams in playoff position dealing with teams that are not in playoff position. You know, it just makes sense. The team that's going for the cup wants to add to their roster and the team that's out of the playoffs wants to build for the future. Pretty much common sense, right? Um, so I was pretty surprised and I definitely want to talk to Armando Velez of Locked on Panthers about this at some point, but for them to just give away Vetrano, who's not a superstar, but to give away any player who's been a part of just an excellent season for the Florida Panthers and give him away for just a fourth round pick. Uh, that's surprising. I know they brought in Sherratt, you know, from the Canadians and everything. But, um, yeah, I, I did not see this coming. But I like the move because, again, you're only giving up a fourth-round pick. And the Rangers, and this is something I've talked about a ton on Lockdown Rangers, they are, like, just paper-thin at right wing right now, especially with Capo Caco being out of the lineup. 
Um, you know, Lafreniere is playing at right wing on the top line, but he's typically a left winger. And beyond that, I mean, it's basically a bunch of grinders. You know, you've got guys like Dryden Hunt, Ryan Reeves, Barclay Goodrow can play right ring, right wing, excuse me. Um, so I, I liked it because the Rangers, you know, they needed to add some scoring. They needed to upgrade on the right wing. And even when Kako comes back, I think you'll see Vetrano probably be part of the third line, which could stand to upgrade as well. Um, so overall, you know, I, I really like the move. And I've been saying quite a bit that my wish for the second line right wing spot is for the Rangers to put somebody who can really shoot the puck there. And Vetrano definitely fits that description. And he's got a nasty shot. Um, you know, when you're playing with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom, you're going to get some pretty nice passes. You're going to be able to take advantage of it with some one-timers and some, you know, high-danger scoring opportunities uh, areas on the on the rink. So, yeah, I love it. I thought Vitrano had a nice game tonight, showed some speed, should have had an assist, if not for that save of the year candidate by Sorokin there. Uh, drew a penalty. He was getting under uh, the skin of one of his opponents. Uh, blocked a shot. You know, he was very involved in the game. So, so far, so good for Vitrano. And, uh, yeah, uh, give him give that man an A for his debut with the Rangers there. And who do you think sits when Kako comes back? Uh, yeah, man, that that's a tough one. I, I would think probably Greg McKaig. You know, he's on the fourth line. And, you know, Vetrano, to make room for him, they took Julian Gauthier out of the lineup. And he's somebody right. that I always think is kind of a dark horse. I always think he's got some sneaky upside. He's put up big-time numbers in the AHL, but he just cannot finish in the NHL. When this guy gets the scoring opportunity, he just can't put the puck in the net. It, it just... Drives you crazy if you're a Ranger fan. So uh, I wasn't surprised to see him coming out of the lineup. But uh, if and when Kako, you know, makes his way back, I mean, who even knows? Somebody else could be hurt by then. But I would imagine it would probably be Greg McKaig, and you'll see Dryden Hunt maybe slide down onto the fourth line. You'll have Kako on the second line and probably uh, Vetrano on the third line. That would be my best guess as, as far as, you know, how they would look to line up once Kako's back. Makes sense. And what do you expect the Rangers to do by Monday, if anything else? Yeah, I mean, I hope they're not done. Um, I think, you know, again, the, their biggest need right now, even after picking up Vetrano, I still say it's right wing because, again, they are just very, very thin at that position. Uh, I think, you know, certainly looking to bolster the third line is not a bad idea. You know, Philip Heedle's played a little bit better recently, but he's struggled a bit this season. Um, you know, Barclay Goodrow's on the third line, but you can play him anywhere. Uh, overall, you know, whatever combination they've used on the third line this season, it just hasn't really clicked. It hasn't really worked. Uh, you just don't really get a lot of offense from those players. So uh, I could see them, you know, maybe they make a move for a uh, Phil Kessel. Um, it's not the most exciting name ever, but I do think he would make the Rangers at least a little bit better. Um, you know, JT Miller, it's a possibility, but I don't really see it happening uh, just because the asking price is going to be so high. Um, you know, there's options. We just did a whole, you know, two-part trade deadline edition uh, talking about certain trade targets. Half of them already got trades somewhere else. but uh, <laughs> And then maybe a defenseman. You know, I, I haven't really been that all in on a defenseman. But, um, you know, if, if they want to add somebody for depth, uh, I'm okay with that. I think the Ranger defensemen are pretty darn good right now. But if the price is right, I wouldn't mind that either. Uh, but how about for the Islanders? Is, is there anything specific they'd be looking to acquire, be it a draft pick or, you know, a certain player, a certain position, any, any anything like yeah. that? I, I mean, a puck-moving defenseman who is not that expensive is certainly something they could use, whether they add it during the offseason or add it at the trade deadline. And then I think, you know, from an Islander's perspective, throughout the organization, they need more young players. So if they can accumulate some draft picks and or some prospects by trading away a Zidane Chara, an Andy Green, uh, a Cal Clutterbuck, that would probably make sense for the organization. 
the only thing, I mean, I don't think they're going to make some kind of a blockbuster deal for that 30 goal scorer. Now, if anything, it'll probably be during the off season, either as a free agent or before the draft. But I, I think I could see maybe the puck moving defenseman. And besides that, get younger in the organization and accumulate more picks. That makes sense. And, you know, we touched briefly on the UFAs for the Islanders. Is there anybody that you think is like just completely 100% gone before the deadline rolls around on Monday? Anybody that they're definitely going to ship uh, to some other city? No, I, I mean, you know, the thing about Lula Morello, he's going to only make a move if A, he feels it benefits the team and B, if he feels he sort of has to. And, you know, like guys like Andy Green and Zidane Chara, if you can get something for them, you know, the odds of them being back next year are pretty slim anyway. And like I said before, if you really want to bring them back, you could always re-sign them. But I, I think those are guys who, if there's enough interest out there, uh, they would probably be dealt. Clutterbuck, I would say, is more likely than not to be traded, but not a guarantee because the Islanders do like him and like what he brings to the identity line. Uh, and same with Parise, they like him. They probably wouldn't mind bringing him back, but if they can get something good for him, it wouldn't shock me if he's dealt as well. That makes sense. I figure, you know, we can call it there, Gil, but, uh, you know, it's a ton of fun as always, always a good time doing these crossovers. And, you know, the next time these two teams match up, you know, pregame, postgame, whatever, we'll do another crossover episode for sure. John, always a pleasure. Thank you. And looking forward to the next one. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Ranger fans, Islander fans, thanks as always for tuning in and we'll see you guys next time.